0: This week in HPC. Reading Scorpio's horoscope.
1: And AMD opens up GPU stack.
0: It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is brought to you in partnership with our friends at top500.org. How's it going, Michael?
1: Very well, Addison. How's it going there? Doing
0: fine, thanks. I've gotten to go to a couple of interesting meetings this week. I'll start by mentioning that I dropped in on the AGU Fall Conference. That's the American Geophysicist Union. Uh, And that was a a nice little show. Well, it's a big show, actually. It covered two of the Moscone Halls in San Francisco. And uh, with geophysics being uh, on the docket, it was all uh, uh, earth science and uh, climate science, uh, ocean science, all, all of those great things. Some of our friends there, uh, uh, Google Earth had a big booth, uh, a couple of others like AWS and Omnibond and other HPC, but really dominated by end users. NASA had the coolest booth uh, yeah. showing a lot of their demos. Pretty interesting show.
1: Yeah, sounds Yeah, a lot of interest in uh, climate... Uh climate modeling and the whole topic nowadays so good to see that uh you know there's a lot of uh vendor uh, participation there good to good to know that
0: yeah, it was it was it was cool, and uh, you know, with the earth scientists there, they were selling a lot of uh, a lot of different minerals as jewelry, just in time for Christmas. Right? <laughs> I did that too, but uh, you know, the the one I wanted to spend more time talking about was I went to a, a meeting that was at the Baidu U.S. R&D center here in Silicon Valley. It was a they were calling it a, a an open data center meetup, and it had involvement from Inspur and Lenovo and a few others, and the purpose was to talk about a standard called Scorpio, which we haven't really talked about much here, but it's a it's a standard in the same vein as uh, Open Rack from Open Compute Project. Uh, now, whereas o- Open Compute Project is led by Facebook and some of the more uh, American hyperscale companies... Um, This uh, Scorpio, or in its Chinese name, Beiji uh, rack standard, is out of the Open Data Center Committee, or the ODCC, and that's led by the big Chinese hyperscale companies, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent. It was a pretty interesting meeting.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, before you sort of clued me into this, I, I did not realize there was even a competing standard for for rack and server architectures. But it, obviously, you know, these Chinese uh, big hyperscale companies have gotten together and and decided that they they wanted to do something a little different than OCP. And from what you know, the information you fed me, it it's just that it's a it's a little different. It's it's very much in the same vein as as OCP and even down to the uh, some of the engineering specs, but it's slightly off. They they pack things slightly differently, slightly different configurations, so the rack looks slightly different. Um, but it's uh, it's obviously from a vendor's point of view, you, you, you have to build different different specs to support both of these. So it's a, a little bit annoying if you're a vendor trying to serve both of these communities. <laughs>
0: annoying, but that said, these are pretty big markets. If you're going to go after... Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, also another Chinese hyperscaler I was less familiar with called Chiho, which is spelled with a Q Q I H O O, but is is Chiho. That's another major um, uh, Chinese hyperscaler. Uh, this is really the, the standard that they're driving to. Um, you're, you start with some of the things they have in common. OCP and and uh, Scorpio is they're both rack level standards, as you were saying. They're also inspired by blade ideas which is to say they take a lot of the um, shared infrastructure and move that out to the rack level. So you're going to have, uh,
1: different sections for
0: power and cooling, right?
1: Right. I mean, that's, that's the way th- this impresses me. Basically it's rack mounted blades. I mean, they're all, it, it doesn't really look like a blade system anymore because it looks like a standard server rack, but uh, well, they're
0: horizontal instead horizontal. of vertical, but they're blades in the sense of shared infrastructure.
1: Right. It's got the shared infrastructure and, and, and the, the emphasis on, uh, Density and energy efficiency, as well as as, as a part of that, but. Uh, I guess people have sort of, in a sense, given up on some of the blade ideas. That sort of disintegrated into a million standards. Each each vendor sort of had their own idea of what a blade system should be like. There was no interoperability between everybody, and so the vendors just ended up charging a premium for these sort of custom-built configurations, and and it didn't quite work out like. Um, people originally envisioned blades would be that they'd be taken over the markets rack mount would sort of disappear as these more efficient um uh configurations took over but this sort of looks like the second coming of blade but uh from a different angle which is the which is the user angle and and configured differently more maybe more friendly to uh what these big hyperscale users are about, which is basically rack-mounted systems.
0: Right, and it's worth pointing out the Scorpio isn't new. Right? They've been talking about it since 2010, and the first Scorpio standard, uh, they were making servers to Scorpio 1.0 in early 2012. Scorpion 2.0, ever since uh, June 2013, they're now on what's really a Scorpio 2.5 they're calling today, and, and with 3.0 is is in the concept phase. But uh, looking at how some of this has has evolved and some of the actual particulars of of Scorpio, they're talking about a 42U or 46U 21 inch rack now U gets to be a funny definition here I always thought of U as a as a standard rack unit as, right. as one and three quarters inches or, or, or 44 and a half millimeters but looking at it OCP is using a different uh, definition of U that's a 48 millimeter U height right. uh, Scorpio 1.0 used to be a standard rack unit but has now gone a little bit bigger than that to 46 and a half millimeters as a Scorpio unit which is bigger than a standard rack unit but smaller than an open compute project rack unit that so that's a little funny there
1: yeah and uh, you know it introduces a certain amount of confusion you, you know you mentioned basically the difference between you know version 1 and version 2 of, of both OCP and Scorpio and I'm, I'm thinking as as a vendor you're not going to be too happy about that if all of a sudden you were you were trying to build you know these racks and and ser- server Sleds for these uh these users, and then they change standards on you in a couple of years, and like you said they're on they're they're looking for another uh version I think on both of these coming up i'm I'm guessing at some point they're going to truly standardize and not quit switching dimensions and sizes on these things so that they'll they'll have some continuity and then, and be a little more friendly to the vendors who obviously have to spend uh, engineering time and and effort uh developing these things.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I mean, although both Inspur and Lenovo more or less said, yeah, they would prefer it if OCP uh, Open Rack and uh, Beige or Scorpio from ODCC were the same standard. I'm not sure that that Baidu or Alibaba or Tencent really cares if their preferred standard is different from uh, Facebook or, or Google. Google's preferred standard. They can uh, they can uh, just uh, you know, keep to their own standard, and the vendors can. Either like it and get on board, or, or not sell to those. Uh, the uh, Baidu claimed that Scorpio uh, configurations amounted to five percent of the worldwide server market in 2015. Now they were citing some other analyst numbers on that. I, I didn't see whose numbers they were on the chart, so I should say that that was another analyst number that was reported by Baidu. That was not an Intersect 360 research number. But if it's anything close to that volume. Uh, that's a lot.
1: No, you're right. And actually, I was I was speaking uh, originally between the differences just between within each standard that they're different. And they were uh, they were diverging. But yeah, you're right. The more important issue is you know if these things would would coalesce into a single standard. And and you sort of talked about that. And that is a little curious because I know just from reading about the history of OCP and Scorpio at. at At many points within the last few years, they talked about uh, merging these two standards but for whatever reason that didn't happen and maybe like you you alluded to that they feel like their market is big enough that they don't really have to do that that the markets can have enough critical mass to stand alone and the vendors just have to serve them, which is true but it, it leaves me wondering if there's not better synergies to be had if there was just one standard and and which which presumably, would reduce costs for everybody uh, in the hyperscale space. Not just not just do do a favor for the vendors,
0: right? And and you're right that these are already very heterogeneous even within the standard. Uh, talking about the yeah. Scorpio standard, okay. So you've got this sled that will go in horizontally, and each of those sleds contains either three dual socket servers or. Um, 18 uh, hard disk drives, depending on if it's a storage sled. But just going into those servers though, there's a lot of heterogeneous compute and different architectures that are supported in this. There, You're talking about not just x86, but configurations for ARM, configurations for open power, uh, GPUs, FPGAs, there's NVMe, there's NVDIMs, there's memcache, there's all kinds of stuff that they're able to put into these. And I guess the idea is that is at the Rack standard is if you can plug into this power and cooling infrastructure, then we can get a get a skew that's Scorpio compliant. But with especially with GPUs, there was a, a speaker from uh, from Inspur who said AI is a big deal and and it needs a lot of power, and uh, that means uh, GPUs. And I try to get a sense of. Uh, you know how much GPU computing that was and uh, I, I think that for most of the hyperscales that's going to be, not your whole infrastructure, but you'll take a subset of your racks and say this will be a an HP, more HPC-oriented rack that might include GPUs. It might have an InfiniBand interconnect. Uh, that's not going to be everywhere because that would, you know, go against the idea of total cost of ownership. But this is where we're seeing uh, really HPC-like applications that are coming in, uh, uh, you know, as a subset of the hyperscale infrastructure.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, we are especially. Right, like like you said, the Scorpio uh, standards—they support a lot of heterogeneity. I'm not sure as much in OCP, although I know there is some there because they support. Both uh, both ARM and, and x86 at a minimum, and yeah, the 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 actual uh, motherboards or sleds going into this thing can vary quite a bit. It's the the dimensions and the electrical connections and and sort of where how these things are configured within the rack that are that are sort of the standard part. And yeah, I mean, it just makes me wonder, you know, if if everything just wouldn't be more copacetic if they just decided that, you know. A unit is is forty eight high rather than forty six point five high. That doesn't seem like such a big difference to me and it's uh, it it just seems like the whole ecosystem would be better. I mean consider even a even a big hyperscale company like Baidu, if they could shave another ten dollars off of the server, that actually adds up to real money after a while just. Because maybe economies of yeah. scale
0: by a million of them, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I don't know how much you know. Once you're Baidu though, or Google, how much better the economy of scale gets by having two of them instead of uh, two of those companies instead of one.
1: Yeah. Well, and also it's worth mentioning. I mean, you talked about Lenovo Inspur and some of these other others that seem to be gravitating towards the Scorpio side, and and we see a lot of the OCP vendors are American-based or or at least uh, America or Europe. It, it, it does seem like there's sort of a dichotomy of people serving these markets, and I wonder if uh, they'll ever cross, or you'll get both. Um, or you'll get some companies trying to serve both standards. It, it seems like that's not the case now, and maybe we're just going to see a dichotomy of, of, of standards all of a sudden, and, and people building different racks and servers for essentially two different uh, global communities.
0: Yeah, good point. And and, uh, as we keep researching hyperscale in 2016, we'll see how these standards keep going forward and and who's adopting what. Now, you know, we've been talking about hyperscale for a while. I want to get back quickly onto the HPC side. There was an interesting bit of news there as we're talking about heterogeneous computing. Obviously, there's been a lot of focus on Knight's Landing. There's been a lot of focus on CUDA. AMD, I don't want to just forget about, though, and they're trying to combat against some of this uh, CUDA or OpenPower, OpenHPC, they're opening uh, some of the GPU stack themselves with something called GPU Open.
1: Right. And it looks like a lot fits under that. I mean, it's both uh, uh, client-side software and server-side software. But this is driven mainly from the client side, which is where AMD's... Uh, a lot of their focus has been certainly for for the last few years and that's that's what sort of what's driving this but they've generalized it enough they're bringing some of the server side software stack uh, around GPU computing, namely you know, HPC-type GPU computing, into this as well. They're going to open up those things, and things like uh, compilers and, and Linux drivers and things like that. So, uh, across the board, they're going to open up a lot of the software, and they think uh, you know, that's going to buy them maybe some market share and then maybe the goodwill of, of, of client and server companies.
0: There are a lot of components, as you were alluding to, underneath GPU Open. Now, I think some of the most important ones go back to something they were starting to talk about at SC15, which is called the Boltzmann Initiative, which itself has a few components, one of which that I think is maybe the most interesting is targeting people's ability to migrate uh, from CUDA code over to AMD.
1: Right. That that. Was the most I think most interesting tool in that in that stack. Uh, They did talk about that at SC. I talked to a few folks there at the the booth, and they were trumpeting that. And the idea, of course, is to sort of leverage some of the uh, the work that's been done under CUDA. A lot of applications been ported there, um, but not everybody likes. uh, working in a, in a closed ecosystem like that. So, if they can work uh, and transfer some of those codes and work on FirePro AMD type of uh, servers or FirePro-based servers, uh, that would be very good news for users. And, and the way they describe the, 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 basically this cross-compiler is that it converts about 90% of the code to uh, from CUDA to uh, a generic C++ type uh, uh so, what you'd have to do as a programmer is just convert the other 10% by hand. But that that does uh, take a lot of the grunt work out of out of doing that. So it it could push a lot of the applications to be. Uh, uh, to be portable for for the FirePro type of uh, setups as well.
0: Right. Well, it makes it easier, and and that's important for AMD because if I've already spent you know, five years working with CUDA optimizing my code to go back to square one to re-optimize it for FirePro, it's just not something that people are going to be enthusiastic about. And you know, Nvidia has a big head start here in software over AMD over Intel with Knights Landing. Uh, you know, this has been a big software ecosystem NVIDIA has been uh, building. And we were uh, repeat the statistic that we were saying in supercomputing that now 34 of the top 50 HPC applications have at least some form of GPU support or optimization, and that's all because of, of CUDA. And I think for AMD to have a prayer of catching up, they have to be able to leverage the work that's already been going on. They can't ask people to go back and start over.
1: Right. That's exactly right. I mean, there's there's so much uh, there's so much application code now now geared towards CUDA that you're right. You have to do something that's going to allow for that, and 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 this is the realization of that. I mean, AMD would tell you once you get it over to C you can now use their heterogeneous compute compiler or HCC to To compile basically into a FirePro type environment, it's, it's a higher level uh, type of uh, environment than, than you might get with CUDA in, in, in a certain sense, and and it would just sort of ease some of that application development. But but right, I mean you've got it you've got to look at the legacy code, which is which is already written for GPUs, and and realize that you have to grab that as well. The
0: next question then is, can AMD make that a compelling enough case that Migrating over to FirePro is going to be attractive enough that it's worth doing the work based on where you already are with uh, Tesla and CUDA today. Uh, you know, what's the outlook for AMD in this space, and is that a rosier future?
1: Right. I mean, that's the whole roadmap of of versus Nvidia and, and uh, AMD, and certainly from a raw compute point of view, the FirePro GPUs are are up to par. They just haven't done as much. On the uh, sort of the general purpose feature side, as Nvidia has who's sort of focused on this for for several years, but you know there's a lot of people who don't want to be beholden to just one vendor, obviously for GPUs, and they can use the the, the FirePro. Um, the Fire Pro processors as something of an alternative in certain cases, and maybe for some workloads, uh, you know, they, they have slightly different feature sets, slightly different performance levels at single precision than than the uh, NVIDIA cards, uh, it might be advantageous. So, it it does open it up, but it seems like this is not the only thing AMD needs to do to, to build some market share. I think it needs to do something a little more uh, differentiated on the hardware side to, to sort of win people over. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly the point. Right, is that the problem with AMD has never been the, you know, the flops on the Fire Pro. They've right. they put out nice chips, but they've been behind on the software ecosystem. This is what they're going to try to do there, and you know, they have to answer what the interconnect portion is going to be. There's been a lot invested in the GPU side with NVLink and CAPI and how you communicate. Um, you know, AMD has has done some of its own work there, but in order to make a compelling case for what you're going to migrate over to those chips when you've already been doing work on another. I think that's going to have to get extremely differentiated
1: with a strong roadmap. Yeah, I think so, too. But, I mean, they, they have put this effort, and they do make these noises every once in a while that they're really committed to this, and I think you know, we'll, we'll see some new stuff in, in 2016, but I just wonder if it's going to be at the, at the level that, that they're going to need to, to establish themselves in this market.
0: I guess we'll find out, Michael. And we'll do one more. Uh, we'll do one more podcast before the end of the year. Maybe we'll sneak out a, a year in review. Talk about what we saw in 2015. But in the meantime, we can wrap up the actual news from uh, from this week. Thanks, Michael, for joining me one more time. We're getting close to the end of the year, and uh, thanks to you for listening. You've been listening to this week in HPC. You've been listening to this week in HPC.